Hi, I'm Alex Bellinger, and this is Small Biz Pod on Friday, the fifth of February. Well, in today's episode of the podcast, I've got two fantastic interviews with uh, Jamie Murray Wells of Glasses Direct and Priya Lakani of uh, Masala Masala, two very enterprising young Brits. And uh, this sort of follows on from the the launch uh, a couple of weeks ago of Enterprising Young Brits, the competition put on by Enterprise UK and Make Your Mark. Um, And uh, it's basically a search for uh, the, uh, as it says, uh, some of the most enterprising young entrepreneurs in the UK today. And uh, both Priya and uh, Jamie Murray Wells uh, are extremely well known and are past winners of this particular award. Now, uh, lots of interesting insight about being a young entrepreneur, about plan- planning, doing your research, and about also, in particularly in Priya's uh, case, about starting a business in a recession. So, lots of really useful practical advice. Um, An insight, too, on things like why Glasses Director is now advertising on TV, their change in strategy, uh, mentoring, and a whole range of things. So uh, well worth staying tuned for if you're a young entrepreneur or even if you're, like me, an older entrepreneur. (laughs) So uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy those. But uh, first, I wanted to welcome back uh, a regular sponsor of Small Biz Pod, and that is the wonderful XLN Telecom. Now, XLN Telecom uh, provides specialist uh, broadband and telecoms services to UK small businesses. That's their entire focus. So they really know what they're doing. They really know the market. And they've got some superb deals for SMEs in the UK. Well worth checking out. They're also a great entrepreneurial business in their own right. Um, set up a few years ago by two uh, dynamic entrepreneurs and they've appeared in the you know, Sunday Times uh, Fast 100 tech companies and a great business and I'm always really delighted to have uh, sponsors who are entrepreneurial come you know they are they were startups not so long ago and now they're doing extremely well so uh, do check out the XLN Telecom banners on smallbizpod.co.uk and head over to their site to check out uh, their deals and let's face it uh, if you uh, want to cut some costs uh, telephones and telecoms is a good place to start also if you want great customer service that XLN are great at that too so thanks ever so much for XLN and one other quick thing um, the Thrive events uh, are live series of podcasts around the country to record episode 100 of Small Biz Pod and to celebrate um, small businesses uh, are taking place uh, towards the end of February and beginning of March. So head over to smallbizpod.co.uk forward slash thrive. If you use the code smallbizpod, simple as that, then uh, you can get a free ticket. And there's only a few left in London in particular. So if you want to be at the London event, please rush out to get those. And many thanks, too, to Bibby Financial Services, who are a great invoice finance and factoring company who can help your cash flow, Uh, and to eOffice in particular, some superb venues where um, events will be held, and uh, yeah, well worth checking out, really, really classy hot desking and virtual office services, and also to um, the uh, Hub Pavilion, where the event will be held in London, too. Now, I uh, kicked off my interview with uh, Jamie Murray-Wells and asked him 
what was his impression of uh, young entrepreneurship in the UK? Uh, had it changed? How easy was it to to do? Had there been an, an upswing in interest from young people in starting their own businesses? A couple of points. Um, I think that um, it's it's never been um, easier to start a business uh, in terms of actually having access to the right um, technology, the right investors, you know, the the right connection tools like LinkedIn and social networks online. And um, so it's never been easier from a sort of, um, you know, creative um, aspect for starting a business. I mean, clearly these are difficult times for any entrepreneur in terms of, um, you know, the economy and consumer spending. But I mean, in terms of actually putting a business together, um, you're not going to be stopped uh, by you know, not being able to get access to a bank manager or not being able to, you know, find the right technology because these, a lot of the stuff is available for free. A lot, there's a lot of tutorials on the web. People are easily connected. And, yeah. and so from that aspect, it's, easy, it's very easy to start a business. And I think um, that means that younger people, uh, like myself, I started my business from university when I was 21, um, can, you know, more readily contemplate it as a career option. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people, Doug Richard, for one, recently, uh, only yesterday, I think, was saying it's really, really tough to start a business in Britain. There's too much red tape. There's too much uh, bureaucracy in the way. And we really ought to be able to start a business within the day. Uh, My experience would be that you probably can start a business within a day. What's your view about the, the barriers that you encountered early in your entrepreneurial career? Well, I certainly agree with Doug that there's far too much uh, red tape around doing business and, and taxation is, is clearly uh, you know, a hindrance where we should be uh, incentivizing and motivating entrepreneurs. But at the end of the day, you know, if a young entrepreneur wants to put their mind to business and has a great idea, then nothing's going to stop them. And you know, when it comes to piecing together the first you know, um, building blocks of a company, um, I would still maintain that it's, it's much easier now than even when it was when I started Glasses Direct in 2004. Um, you know, and I think just you know, looking back to those first days of Glasses Direct, um, which involved finding suppliers, you know, driving around, trying to get people interested, finding employees, finding investors, people who might invest in the company, um, you know, opening a bank account, um, trying to get a loan, all these kind of bits and pieces that you need to do, I think um, I, I think are absolutely you know easier to do now. Yeah. Um, when you began, what were the things that surprised you? Uh, the, the the challenges that surprised you, i.e., the things that you weren't expecting to be difficult that actually turned out to be, and conversely, what were the things that seemed to go a lot a lot easier than you expected them to? Um, I think that um, when I started, I found that um, marketing and PR was a little bit easier than I anticipated because I worked out very early on that if you had a really good story about your product, such as in our case that it was you know, massively cheaper, that we were taking on the big guys in the industry, that people wanted to talk about it and journalists wanted to talk about it. And yeah. I was able to put together a story that really flew. So that kind of surprised me at how quickly that side of things escalated. And I think that's a key skill for any entrepreneur mm. who's uh, 
who's you know starting a business from the bedroom like I did. And it's perfectly you know something that you can get to grips with on your own. I mean to understand you know what makes a good press release, etc. Um, what, what was more you know difficult? I think I, d- I underestimated the power that suppliers had, and I was probably too casual um, going into supply relationships and. You know, I was desperate to get the website off the ground, and so I, you know, I didn't have any formal, you know, supply contracts or anything like that with our suppliers. And I think, you know, you've always got to get things up and running quickly, but, you know, at the same time, you want to balance that with some security. And as a result, you know, some of our suppliers got windy when they had pressure from their big account holders because we were causing such a stir in the industry that they actually stopped supplying us, which meant that our website came down and caused us a lot of problems. Um... In retrospect, I probably would have been more diligent about sourcing the right uh, supplier earlier and maybe having some kind of structure to how I was doing business with them. Which is an interesting point because um, <clears throat> obviously the, the, there are a limited number of suppliers. How does Glasses Direct manage that situation now, bearing in mind that, that to the to the naked eye, your margins must be huge compared to retail outlet equivalents. I think that we, I mean, you know, we've struck very good relationships now over time. Um, I think the best way to manage a supplier relationship is to really get to know the supplier, you know, go and visit them, go and visit their factory, look around it, go and have a drink in the pub with them, yeah. um, you know, really become, almost, you know, very good friends, with, in fact, with your with your main suppliers. And I think over time, you know, whether it's our Chinese suppliers or whether it's our designer collections from Italy or whether it's, you know, media buying in London, um, we have now developed a very strong uh, ties, a very strong bond with our supply base. Yeah, no, that makes that makes sense. Um, you mentioned media buying there. I noticed that Glasses Direct uh, at the end of last year was... Uh, uh, was doing a TV campaign, and I, I've, not, I've noticed that a lot of web web based uh, businesses have been been using TV. I mean, there's the obviously insurance companies, but some others that you wouldn't necessarily expect. What was the the thinking behind? I mean, what, why TV now? Well, um, you know, we were doing something very new in our market by making it come online. I mean, the optical industry had never really contemplated the online world, and so. Um, we were the first people really to start selling glasses. And um, in the early days, it was a challenge because there weren't that many people actually s- searching for glasses online. Um, now, nowadays, it, it, it's much more commonplace. People look to the internet for anything, whether it's books, travel tickets, DVDs, they come online and the same goes for glasses if they want to research that purchase as well. Mm. But the problem we faced in 2010 is that is that there's just we we've reached the maximum. I mean, so far we're a very small part of the market, but there are um, there's only so many people searching the internet, and if they are searching the internet, our marketing operation is efficient enough to be able to present our adverts to them. But the, but where the market really for us is is actually offline, are the people who aren't searching the internet for glasses, and so we, we're back to the same problem we had at the beginning, which is that we now need to go to media in the same way we did with PR with our story in the beginning we're going out again in 2010 with TV advertising to be able to reach out to people who may not even know yet that they can find glasses on the web yeah yeah so it is I I was wondering whether you know how important the mass market as opposed to the internet market because people assume that the internet is in essence mass market but it's not quite as simple as that is it 
Yeah, it's not as simple as that. And I, I think that, um, you know, changing behavior of how people buy and how people wear glasses, it, it takes a long time. It's, it's very complicated. And sometimes there's a case, just like lastminute.com, set up shops and stations and airports um, in order to, you know, bring their brand onto the high street. Yeah. I think there's a case for internet companies reaching out to the mass market via above-the-line advertising um, in order to give themselves more of a presence. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, just returning to your kind of experience as a, as a young entrepreneur, I mean, you, you seem, for those of us who, who watch the entrepreneurial space, you seem to have been around for a long time. Uh, and, of course, five years is quite a long time, but uh, still at only 26. Has your age ever proved a handicap? I mean, your youth <laughs> rather than your age. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I started my business age 21, and, you know, for some things it's 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 a handicap. But, um, you know, and that can be, you know, in the very early days until you've actually got a sales record, to sort of substantiate what you're doing. It can be simply getting people to take you seriously. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're a 21-year-old knocking on the door of an industry saying, hey, the way you're selling glasses is wrong, I've got a better idea, that's tricky. Um, once you've proven your sales momentum, people take you seriously. But I always think about things from the customer's perspective. And I actually think that, you know, being a young guy, just like being, you know, an older person or being someone, you know, it, it actually adds character to your company. And what yeah. so many com- companies lack nowadays, um, if you look around, you know, big blue chip brands, actually, you know, what they lack and what they desperately want to achieve um, is, is character, is being able to give a face to their, their com- to their company, to their brand. And when you have a characteristic about your company, like the founder's just 21, it gives people something to talk about. It gives something yeah. customers can relate to. It puts a face to the story, and I think that's really important. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, you start. You basically quit university, I guess. Did you? Did you finish college? Or um, yeah, I remember? just about finished. I was like, I was starting <laughs> in my finals. I was coming out of the exam room and you know <laughs> right. going to the library to start it up. But I just scraped through and I got a two-two. Okay, Probably well, that's not scraping through. Started starting my business, yeah. For those young people who who have that real entrepreneurial spirit, um, they can, they probably uh, qualifications and so on and so forth is probably irrelevant. Um, but businesses do fail, and and uh, young entrepreneurs will have failures. And as far as I understand it, you ha- you you tried a couple of options early on before Glasses Direct, before um, this one took off. What's your advice for young entrepreneurs who get knocked back or whose business first efforts fail? What, what would your advice be? Well, I think there's two things to say. I mean, the first is that I think university is a very valuable thing to do. And, you know, I think as an entrepreneur, you take risks. Yes, we all take risks. That's what we're in the business of doing. But we take calculated ones. And I think, you know, calculation at the stage of deciding whether you're going to do a university degree or not it, it is is along the lines of, you know, in my mind, it was along the lines of, yeah, I'll do it anyway because it gives me that security, that that sort of, you know, fallback option and that I've got this degree if everything goes wrong. And, you know, m- most of the entrepreneurs I know, yes, they take big risks, but they take calculated ones. And I think that's a good example of, of how we try and balance the risk. Um, the second thing to say is that, I mean, I think that that basically university and um, being an entrepreneur you know, when, when, it, it, you know, at university is, is a really good good time to do it. I yeah. think that basically, you know, 
Um, if, if you're going to do it, though, you want to do it in a way that you can test and a way that you can learn. And, and when, you know, when I tried various different business ideas, when you say I tried, what I did was I was actually researching. I don't call it trying. I was actually um, doing a lot of desk work, you know, getting the market research report, Mintel from the university library, learning about whichever industry it was that I was interested in going into, um, you know, maybe testing making a prototype product, testing it out on a few friends, um, seeing if they liked it, that kind of thing. So they were not actually sticking your neck on the line and going, you know, I'm going to invest X amount and I'm going to quit my university degree. You're just testing it within the structure of whatever you're doing. And I, I think that's really good. I heard a, a saying once, start small, grow big, start big, go bust. And yeah. I'd advise any entrepreneur to be testing ideas as small as they possibly can. You know, if you're going to make... Um, a new product, make one of them, sell one of them to a friend, make two of them, sell two of them, you know, get their feedback, start that small, don't go into Canary Wharf straight away. <laughs> exactly. And of course, the, 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 um, the discipline of, of kind of a, a, a academic research that you, that everyone does or is involved with at university is a discipline that the entrepreneur, entrepreneur needs to do that research. Yeah. Um, I think that's right. I think, you know, if you're going to, if you want to be able to, talk the talk and walk the walk and be able to, you know, go to suppliers as a young guy and hold your own and, you know, be able to apply for a loan and look the bank manager in the eye with some confidence, then you're going to have to know, you know, you're going to have to know your uh, your, your apples from your eggs. Yeah. You're going to have to know your, your stuff. Um, so, yeah, get your heads down in the books. There's some, and the great thing about university libraries is that you can often, school libraries, college libraries, you can often get hold of of tax that actually cost businesses, you know, a thousand pounds a shot, like Mintel market research reports, yeah. uh, and they're pure gold. Yeah, yeah. Um, now I know that you meant you have mentored people, or you are mentoring one uh, online startup. If I've if I've read up rightly, H- how and who did you get advice from did you have a mentor uh how did you how, how did you learn all the stuff that you couldn't possibly learn quickly enough well i think that people you know approach this in different ways um i mean my my way of doing it was that i basically went out and found specific individuals that i thought could help with areas of the business that 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 i had a shortcoming in i identified i had a shortcoming in or that the I couldn't afford necessarily a full-time resource in. So I actually approached them and I, I saw, you know, for instance, someone speaking about marketing and I said, would you come and join? I went up to him after his speech and I actually invited him to come in as an advisor. Um, yeah. That's the kind of thing I did. I never had one exclusive mentor. However, you know that is a tried and tested route and it works for a lot of people. I wouldn't say that's not the right way to go. You've got to kind of do, do, do your own thing on that. I, I think that you know, what I would say is that having the right kind of sounding boards around you is really, really important, um, really important. And, uh, you know, also having a supportive, you know, a lot of people don't have supportive family, supportive teachers, you know, who are going to support their entrepreneurial ambitions. I was quite lucky, but yeah. for those people as well, then there's, you know, um, uh, places like Shell Livewire and the Prince's Trust, which I volunteer for, um, you know, who deal with, uh, advising and mentoring as well um, and you know it, it's good to check those guys out yeah absolutely and finally who have you got your eye on in terms of you know the young entrepreneurs of the future are there any you know are there any sort of sectors or or individuals who who have sort of piqued your interest over the last 12 months 
Um, I think that there's one company actually that I, I've recently been doing a lot of work with, um, uh, just in terms of advising, yeah. um, and that, that's uh, that's Yucca Y U K A dot co dot uk, and they deal with uh, urban urban sportswear, urban fashion, youth fashion. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like a, it's like a young ASOS basically, oh, okay. and I think the, the the guy behind that, Robbie Sir, is a really exciting young entrepreneur. Um, he understands that space very well, and he's executing tremendously on a great business plan. So um, best of luck to him. Okay, one to watch out for, Jamie. Thanks ever so much. Okay, thank you. My name's Priya Lakhani. I'm the founder of Masala Masala and the Masala Masala Project. Um, it's a small food company um, that we supply supermarkets with fresh sources. Um, I'm 28 years old, started the, uh, the company about 15 months ago. Um, prior to that, I was a newspaper lawyer. I was a barrister. Um, and I, I just quit my job and, and started a food company. Um, <laughs> I was, uh, it, it sounds um, like a you know, massive career change. It was. Um, yeah. I, was uh, I was working as a lawyer. Just, I wanted to run my own business. So I just wanted to work for myself and manage other people. Um, so I had a, a few different ideas. Um, and I wrote business plans for them, looked into them, did quite a bit of research. Um, and uh, the masala masala idea just stuck, you know, it's something yeah. that I couldn't stop thinking about um, because um, working late nights as a lawyer, I was going to the supermarket and I was buying lots of these fresh uh, pasta sauces yeah. and fresh pasta and cooking a lot of that because um, they were fresh, the, the ingredients were great. Um, and I, I wouldn't buy any of those world food shelf items, you know, on the on the ambient shelf, yeah, um, yeah. like Indian curry sauces because they're packed with so many preservatives or so heavily pasteurized they last over a year or something yes. and I and so I was just thinking well where where are the fresh Indian sources because I'm Indian I've got a new Indian husband yeah. <laughs> I need to be a good wife and <laughs> and uh, you know cook, cook some curry but I didn't have time to cook from scratch so I was looking around for it and just thought well hang on there isn't a really good um, fresh ethnic sauce on, on you know on the shelf um, in the supermarket so there was a gap in the market I did some research and just thought you know there's, there's space for this and and people want this um, mm. because 15 months ago, I mean, even now, there's such a drive towards premiumization and healthy eating and good food. You know, people are going on holiday a lot more because there's so many holiday deals, so many good package deals. So they're going to India, they're experiencing real yeah. Indian food. And they're coming back here and saying, well, chicken tikka masala was <laughs> made somewhere between Birmingham and Bradford. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's, so that's kind of how that idea came about, um, you know, along with some other ideas that I had. And I just thought, well, you know, I've got to do it now. You've got to sort of, um, once you've got the idea and you've done the research, you're either going to, you're either just going to take the big leap and, yes. and start your own business <clears throat> or you're not. And um, I decided that, yeah, 15 months ago was the right time for me, basically. But in terms of, um, <clears throat> excuse me, in terms of leaps, uh, that's that's quite a leap um, during <laughs> what was the kind of clearly the beginning of a, a, a nasty recession <laughs> when you're in a secure job getting paid. Yeah. You know, barristers get paid a fair whack. Yeah, um, I was that's, paid really that's, well, actually. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's on the verge of... Um, foolhardy isn't it <laughs> yeah well that's what some people say so aren't you mad and yeah. one thing is actually at the time exactly the time when i said august we're talking august 2008 so yeah. the time when i started the business there was talk of the property boom's not going to last 
now. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it wasn't quite, uh, you know, so we're, we're, right, we're in the thick of it right now. You know, there's, there's a recession. So it was, there was sort of talk of it. But um, I think it's just something to do with um, the fact that I haven't really worked through a recession before because I'm too young. Yeah. And, and finding this is the case with a lot of young people who started businesses at, at the same time as me. We didn't really... We don't really understand what it's like to work through a recession. So we just thought, oh, well, that's just another thing that I'm going to have to deal with. But, you know, to be a first mover in a market is um, is an advantageous position to be in. You yes. want to be first if it's, if it's a new product. You don't want to be the second or third player. And you certainly don't want to be um, entering into the beard industry with a brand new product when you're competing against a very, very large company that's done that first. So. Yeah. It was a case of well, there aren't any really great fresh, there aren't any fresh sources on the market, you know, in terms of ethnic food. Um, I could be the first and offer us to the, offer this to the supermarkets and get the really big supermarket deal, um, or I can wait and see what happens. And then you know, it's a case of one of those typical stories where someone says, "Oh, I thought of that ten years ago," <laughs> yes, exactly. um, yeah. you know, and now there's hundreds of them, and I could have done that, and you know, I would have just lived with so many regrets. So it was a case of just um just getting on with it um you know and also just thinking about the economy at the time and um, yes it was a really big leap to give up a secure salary and, and start a business there's many reasons why i actually why i actually did what i did and yeah. knowing full well i'm not going to earn any money um for, for quite a you know long period of time yeah um and also i have a charity that i founded the masan color project um you know which we, we can talk about but um but it's just uh it, it, it was really a case of, you know, do you, do you really want to wait and hang around? Um, because it's just so obvious that there was a space in the market for this, these sorts of products. Yeah. Um, you know, do, do you want do you want to be first or second, basically? So, and I think a lot of people start businesses that way. You know, they have they if you find a gap in the market, you know, sort of what are you waiting for? Just do the research and just just get on with it and make it happen. Yeah. <clears throat> which is the which is the hardest part making it happen isn't it um so uh yeah. you know you, you you i know that you you know in in your your family has quite a, quite an entrepreneurial um bent as it were i know your you you and your brothers were were wheeling and dealing um almost on the school playground um did my you... brother yeah <laughs> he sort of taught me everything i know right. <laughs> they um, used to call him like bellboy and rodney <laughs> okay. so you clearly had the kind of you had the kind of business brain as well as the as the law brain in there too um well yeah or I, not. I, I, don't I, mean, I don't know what... <laughs> yeah it's one of those things where you know when you're because i mean i started this one up so i started thinking about this what about when I was about 26 or so. Yeah. Um, and I'd always, throughout throughout my legal career, I'd always sort of different ideas and, and you know, done the business plan and, and I'd gone to my parents at the time and said, should I do this? And there's some really, really great ideas there. And I just think, I wasn't sure I had a business brain. I just I just knew that I had the drive and the motivation, the passion to make it happen. Yeah. Um, and I was just really driven. I was really aware that I lacked so many skills as well. Um, you know, we just didn't, even when you know drawing up a business plan, you know, doing financial forecasts, I was thinking, well, this isn't something that I've been trained to do. It's not something that I'm, I'm really aware of how to do this. So it was also just just a, a case of being aware of what I didn't have, and then asking for help, you know, in those certain areas. So yeah. you know, with the business plan, for example, um, when I was I was going out with my husband at the time, I actually asked him to help me with a financial forecast because he's a 
he was a banker. So yeah. it was, you know, I think that's really important for young people to recognise as well as that, you know, when you've got an idea, it doesn't, you don't, you don't have to think, oh, I've got a business brain or I've been trained to do this. If you're lacking in skills, it's just really good to be aware of which skills you're lacking in so yeah. that you can, go, you can go and seek some, you know, external help um, so that, you know, when, when you come back, you've got a really, really solid plan to work from. So just don't, A, don't be too proud to ask, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, yeah, and you know, I don't think people are too proud to ask. I mean, they, they, they um, you know, I get so many, just because of enterprising young Brits, I get quite a few emails a week from, from people like myself, you yes. know, two years ago, who want to give up a job or want to start a business. And the fact that they're even emailing me and asking me, you know, why I gave up my job or can I inspire them or motivate them to do the same, just the fact that they're emailing. Yeah. You know, that people are... You know, they're certainly, um, you know, they're not too proud to ask for help or ask questions, and they want some advice. And um, so, yeah, you know, I think it's 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 kind of common in an attitude of it. You know, young, young entrepreneurs in general are quite quite feisty like that. They'll just go and get what they want. Really, yeah, so. no, absolutely. Um, and do you think, you know, do you think that your your youth has been an advantage, really, or is, I mean? It, does are we does young really make a difference in this instance? I mean, is isn't it just the you know what you've described earlier the the, the passion and the drive um, and the, the the desire to see something new created? Um, does youth really play a part? Is this all a bit exaggerated? Um, I think I've met a lot of young people. I happen to have met a young, lot of young people just because of the situation I am and the fact that people say I'm a young entrepreneur yeah. who has great ideas. So I've been surrounded by that and exposed to that. And I've not been exposed to so many, um, <clears throat> let's say, older entrepreneurs, yeah. <laughs> older and wiser <laughs> entrepreneurs. Um, I think young people have some really fantastic ideas. And um, I'm not sure it's <clears throat> when, when one says, is that a real benefit? I think the young people that I've met certainly are very driven and very passionate, but <clears throat> excuse me, in business, it can be difficult being young. Um, and I'm being just very honest here, just doing business with people who sort of look at you and think, why am I listening to somebody who is 20 years younger than me? Yeah. <laughs> is that, you know, it can, it can really, it can put you off. Um, and I've definitely had that experience. There's no doubt that, you know, in the last, in the last 15 months, I've spoken to some people who just don't want to, so some people just don't want to do business with you because they just think, um, they can't take you seriously, mm. um, and and but but also some people can't understand uh, why on earth at the beginning, 15 months ago, why they were listening to somebody who gave up a really secure job, yeah, you know, to, yeah. to enter into their industry that yeah. they've been working in for 30 years, <laughs> and this um, <laughs> product never existed before. Why would it now? Yeah, well, no, absolutely. <laughs> and, um, that's, that's, yeah, yeah, that's the um, that that's the problem of age, <laughs> of, yeah, that, you know, being happens, old, isn't it? It's you know, the, yeah, and you have to, you have to deal with that. But then yeah. you know, there's been some people who've really embraced the fact that I've just been a lot more passionate and driven, you know, than than other people have met. So. It it can work either way. I mean, I think the point is you've just got to you've just got to you've just got to remember that it's not an important factor at all at all. Um, yeah. You've just got to, you know, you've got a product or a service that you want to create and you want to build. You've got you just have to. You know, sometimes you've got to earn the respect off other people. Yes. So you, you, know, you go and do that, and um, you just just ignore any um, 
ignore any factors that seem to be, you know, a negative. Yeah. And, and if, if people see age as a positive thing, you know, if you're getting, you know, some publicity out of it or exactly. you know, that's fantastic. Then use yeah, it to use your advantage, yeah. yeah. Yeah, use it to your advantage, absolutely. Just like anybody, you know, people um, are uh, focused on for various different reasons. So, you know, you, you have to be able to use that and just um, and, and just get out there, really. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, age, age is a really interesting thing, actually. Um it's, it kind of helps sometimes and it doesn't at other times. Yeah. Um, you know, I think you just have to realize that if you are mature enough and if you've done enough research to, um, you know, have, have, have taken yourself so far yeah. um, and you're now approaching people with, with this great product or service that you've developed, then, you know, just remember that, um, you know, you're, you've, you've basically got sort to of drive it forward as yourself. You've got to just, just, you've got to remember that you should be respected by other people and um you know just um just go for it and don't don't listen to any sort of uh you know you're too young to do this or yeah. can't understand why you gave up your job to do this like yeah. why it's just all it's all noise basically yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. Distraction. But the, and, and there's, yeah. there's always going to be it whatever your age whatever your business whatever your startup whenever you do it there's always going to be negatives and knockbacks and that's all part of uh getting on to to dealing with the positives and and getting things done yeah, well, that's business, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Mean, there's so always, it's, get, there's you know. always going to be something um, that, you know, that, that you think, well, you know, I'm having to, to deal with this factor or another factor. And sometimes, as I said before, it could be like a lack of skills or something. You know, yeah. Someone could say, well, you're not very experienced in this field. And so I, I got that a lot 15 months ago. And I said, well, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, to be honest, I, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> if I've not got <laughs> 10, 20 years of experience in this field, I know this product's really fantastic. And, um, you know, we've got it here now. And um, we're looking for, for example, certain suppliers to help us. So, yeah. so either you can help us or you can't, but I need to get this done. Um, and then you go and find somebody who's willing to work for you and somebody that you're really, really happy to work with. Um, and you, actually, you find it's such an incredible journey, mm. you know, from having an idea to actually, you know, creating a product. Um, and, and you know, yeah, nothing, just don't let anything stand in your way. I mean, you know, a lot of people email saying, well, this is my problem, these are my issues, these are my obstacles. And I'm just saying, well, you know, just you're spending too much time focusing on those yeah. than actually getting anything done here. So, um you know, it's good to be aware of obstacles, of course, you know, especially if you've got that major competition in your market. That's, you know, very <laughs> yeah. good to be aware of that. But it's just, you know, sometimes people concentrate too much on um, what's stopping them from starting, really. And then they just never, never really get on with it. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, the food business is um, it's pretty complicated and pretty, you one would imagine, pretty um, uh, large overhead to kind of launch a new brand, to, to, to sort suppliers, to sort packaging, etc., etc., etc. Even before you get to the point where you're then selling into multiple retailers. Um, did... Was that an expensive upfront cost to, to 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 set up? I mean, how did you how did you deal with all that um, that initial uh, startup process? Well, I pl- I planned quite carefully, so um, I looked at exactly what I'd need to do. I spoke to lots of different suppliers to get an idea of how much it would cost me to to start the business and to, to launch this food business, food company. Yeah, um, that took some time um, because um, I hadn't. I hadn't spoken to food suppliers before and I didn't really realize at the time when I was doing it that everything requires um, volumes and minimum orders yeah. and prices are substantially different if you're ordering 10,000 pots, you know, little containers yeah. to a 
100,000 pots. And, yeah. and the price is so substantially different. It actually really affects your, um, you know, what, what you need to invest in the business. So um, we took some time doing that. Um, I, I was doing that basically by myself. And then I went, you know, I was having my husband's help in terms of just put, putting it all together yeah. in a financial plan. And then I, I came to the conclusion that I needed £25,000. Okay. And uh, it was £25,000 before I did, you know, made some sort of a deal with the supermarket. Um, and I gave myself five months, mm-hmm. uh, five five or six months. So I said, well, in five, six months, I need £25,000. I'm going to launch this business. Mm-hmm. And in that time, I need to get a supermarket on board yep. because otherwise, um, you know, we're going to be sitting here having invested the money with this great little pot of sauce yes. and nowhere to put it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so. and I'm just going to just basically just try and sell it to a supermarket. But, um, but it, because I was so confident that the product was required, it was needed on the market, there was a gap there. People were wanting, you know, this fresh ethnic sauce. And because um, I had looked into suppliers and sourced ingredients very carefully We've been very, very fussy over the recipe, um, yeah. which you know, we continue to be. We're expanding our range right now, and um, we don't compromise on, on recipe ingredients. Um, I just knew that it would work. So my husband and I invested our, our, our own £25,000 in yeah. the company. I did, I did look elsewhere, and this is where talk of a recession you know, is important because this is where it affects you, Lee, looking for funding. Mm, no, when, uh, when banks are, are not very willing to lend, um, and um, I was very lucky in that I had some saved up salary and, and saved yeah. my husband, and so we just decided that we would invest our own money. And um, and after that, you know, we'll just see see what we needed really. But that's that that was it really. You know, we we were very. I mean, it worked out really well. We invested twenty five thousand pounds, and within only three months of having launched the business, I've been speaking to Waitrose, and yeah, yeah, we agreed to launch in Waitrose exclusively for a few months. Um, and I had some some other retailers, some premium retailers already on board, such as Harvey Nicks and Harrods and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Whole Foods. So, so the deals are done quite quickly. Um, and then after that, really, the bank was saying to us, "Please, can we give you an overdraft?" <laughs> exactly, <laughs> which, which is always the way, that. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, which you know the banks are now saying, "Well, you know, we're happy to lend to yeah. you, um, and uh, just come, you know, come come to, come to us for for finance, you know, whenever whenever you need it, really." And we've just not to do that. I think one of the the interesting things though about what you've just described is is actually how quickly you can turn something into you know how quickly you can break into a market like that one you know you thinking about it you think gosh three three four five months to do that that seems like like no time at all uh, the way the way time flies by. It can take longer Um, you know when we started the business the reason I was saying that, you know, age, age is sometimes a factor and people can be a bit cynical because people are saying to me, number one, there's no chance you're ever going to get this done. And number two, you're never, ever going to see it in a supermarket. You know, and I was being told, look, I've been working in a farmer's market for 20 years and sending this to the supermarkets and, you know, they never even pick up the phone. Yeah. And it's absolutely impossible to get into a supermarket. And even if you did get into a supermarket, you'll get your product in, it would take at least a year or two years. Mm. And that's what... Everybody was telling me. So that's why I think, you know, I mean, I was being laughed out of the door by suppliers, you know, people who just said, this is not going to work. Yeah. And um, I just thought, it's not a game. <laughs> it's not about something not working. It's about a product that yeah. customers want and need. This yeah. is not, I, I don't know why everyone sort of looks at it that way. I mean, there's a gap in the market here. I've solved the problem. 
smart and take the product because yeah. it's a good product. There's no reason not to. They're going to create space on the shelf for it. And I was right, they did. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it was about just being really focused because along the way, whilst producing the product, we would produce the product in six weeks, which is really, really quick because there was a trade show um, six weeks after I decided oh, yeah. that I actually wanted to go ahead and do this. And I said, I'm not missing this trade show. Yeah. And I'm really, really glad that I didn't miss that trade show because I knew that buyers were going to be there. Um, yeah. And also, had I missed that trade show and decided that, actually, I'll take my sweet time and launch this product over the next few months itself, yeah. I would have ended up at a trade show where nobody attended. And <laughs> because yes. we actually did the trade. We did a trade show in September 2008, which was really busy, and we did our first deals there. Yeah. You know, Harvey Nichols walked in, Harrods walked in, and this is where we met these premium retailers, and, and we, um, we did some business with them. Yeah. Um, and then in March 2009, we went to this the, the second trade show, which... Um, was really empty, you know, mm. and I was standing there, and it was very clear that the recession had hit. It was very clear that people didn't necessarily want to launch new brands at that time because everybody was worried about the economy, um, and it was just empty. Um, and um, you know, so we were very, very, very fortunate that we'd um, and and demo- yeah, demonstrates why procrastination is not something you wanna <laughs> wanna have in your arsenal of no, uh, weaknesses. No, it's really. not. It's not. It really is. I don't think entrepreneurs do that very much. No, no, <laughs> I, I don't think and, so. Yeah, yeah they yeah. don't twiddle their thumbs much. I think no. they're quite. Um, I mean, you know, I'm I'm I am an impatient person. If I want to get something done, yeah. I will get done very quickly. You know, we're launching on new range right now, and one of the first things I said was, "We can get this done in a few weeks." You know, I don't hang around. I mean, I'm yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, also eight months pregnant and about to give birth oh in a month. So I'm just like, okay. uh, this is all going to happen before she comes out, right? Yeah, <laughs> so no, absolutely. Sort of, yeah. yeah, I'm sort of saying that to people and they're looking at me nodding and saying, yes, you know, we'll get this done. Because the thing is, there's no point in hanging about. Um, you know, the sooner you have the product ready, the sooner you can show it off to people. Um, and then you buy yourself some more time to actually get it onto the shelf. Whereas if you wait, well, you know, it'll be, it'll be what, autumn before anybody sees it. And, you know, it's just... Um, Someone else might have brought up yeah. the same product. But also, there's no growth and there's no momentum in your company. You know, yeah. If you're just sitting there static doing nothing, you don't, you don't feel like you're really going anywhere. So, yeah, it's good to have momentum, good to, good to start your ideas and just, 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 um, you know, just get on with it and, and make people work with you because they want to work with somebody who's exciting and yeah, no, wants absolutely. to get things done. You know, nobody wants to sort of hang around and wait you know, a few months before the next step ever happens. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it depends, obviously, on your business. If it's a very sort of innovative business where you're inventing something, things like that take a little bit longer. Um, but, you know, just, um, yeah, you've got to do things that, um, you know, pick up the pace, basically. So there we are. Thanks ever so much to Priya for her own uh, interesting insights and uh, and story and just shows what you can do if you put your mind to it and I think you know the positivity the 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 getting out there and just getting on with it and getting things done as fast as you can uh, within reason of course um, is a great lesson and and lots to learn too from uh, Jamie Murray Wells's own experience so I hope you enjoyed that um, do check out the Thrive events if you'd like to be there code smallbizpod just enter that in the uh, discount code section uh, of the site head to smallbizpod.co.uk forward slash thrive and uh, that's it i've also got lots of books and i'll i'll 
uh, list them in a, in a podcast that's not quite as long as this one. And uh, if you'd like a copy of a book to review and you'd like to submit a review uh, as a little audio file uh, to appear in SmallBizPod, then just drop me an email at alex at smallbizpod.co.uk. So, other than that, on to my first music selection of the year. And this is an amazing electro-electronica track from Africa. And uh, the band is called uh, Burkina Electric. And the track is, uh, as I say, very uplifting, appropriate for a new year. It's called Sankaya. Sankaya. 